Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What makes psychological change often accompanying the distinct changes in boys' and men's bodies so electric? amplified and potentially disturbing this is a question today's guest asks and answers and we will meet him in just a moment my name is pamela brewer and i welcome you to this edition of mind talk dr robert tominski is the author of male alienation at the crosswords of identity culture and cyberspace. Dr. Tominski is a psychologist and a Jungian analyst in San Francisco, California. Dr. Kaminsky, Dr. Tominski, welcome to Mind Talk. Thank you so much, Pamela, for inviting me. I'm, I'm happy to, to be talking with you. Now, Dr. Tominski, you heard me describe you as a psychologist and a Jungian analyst. What's a Jungian, Jungian analyst? Uh, well, that's the uh, $64,000 question, <laughs> but a Jungian analyst is, is a, a kind of psychoanalyst um, who f- follows the work of, of Carl Jung and then the people who, Jung died in 1961, but the people who then have carried on his tradition of depth psychology, so looking a lot at symbols, imagery, and dreams. And you heard me describe you as the author of, and I'm going to share that title again, Male Alienation at the Crossroads of Identity, Culture, and Cyberspace. That sounds like more than a mouthful. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. I, um, You know, titles are tricky, and, <laughs> and I, I think at one point I had, had wanted to just call the book Male Alienation, and um, the publisher and the editor I was working with encouraged me to, you know, expand on it a little bit. And, and so, you know, I try and talk about, like, some of the contemporary issues that, that are really tricky nowadays in clinical practice, but also in, in like, just our popular culture, our general culture. And so th- those really have things to do with Internet use, social media, um, the role of culture and ethnicity, and and then also something about like how we all define ourselves in this this kind of time of like digital media and um, you know this kind of massive influx of information that we're living in. Well, you know we're we're used to hearing about the ways in which women, females, feel alienated, and the challenges that women and and certainly children uh, face online in this cyber uh, cyberspace universe in which we live. Why are we talking about male alienation? Is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think it, it is I mean, in in my practice, and I, right now I've been in practice for over 30 years, and, and I do a lot of teaching. I, I lecture, and 
Um, and I, so I hear a lot of cases, and, and so I hear these are mostly clinical cases that I'm, I'm talking about. So they're people who are seeking treatment for help, which is a subset of the general population. But, but usually, you know, I, I've been struck by hearing something about, um, especially in my own practice, these words, I'm broken. And I've really tried to try to, to understand, and I encourage, you know, it's, it's usually a young man or a boy in late adolescence who says something like that. And I usually encourage them to try and look and tell me what they're seeing when they say that. And <clears throat> I, think, I think I'm broken, as I've come to understand it, as a bit of a, of a shorthand, in a way, for I'm alienated. I don't fit in. I haven't found a, a place where I feel like I can connect. But moreover, um, I, I really am frightened about what goes on inside me. And, and so it's this double kind of alienation. It's the social piece outside and how you connect with people, but also like how we look inside ourselves and connect with ourselves and, and what, what brings us meaning and, and what lives in our, our minds and our, uh, you know, both our conscious minds and our unconscious minds. You know, we're, we're used to, again, I'm going to make the distinction between male and female. We're used to women uh, sort of looking inside of themselves, not all women, but many, looking inside of themselves mm -hmm. and trying to understand sort of what's going on and, 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 and how they're feeling just about themselves. But the idea that uh, boys and young men would be doing the same thing that, for some people listening, I'm going to suggest, is really kind of a head-turner because we're just not used to hearing about that, which I think certainly is, is a huge problem in terms of boys and men feeling um, disregarded. I think in a lot of ways uh, they are disregarded. What's your thought? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, you know, it, I think you're, you're kind of like addressing there um, in, a, in a nice way something about like the, the data and the research that shows like at least in, in epidemiology for psychological, you know, kind of diagnoses. Women and girls tend to internalize, so, so they report, you know, things like um, depression much more um, and um, and boys and men tend to externalize, so they, they tend to act out. So when they are depressed, they often are irritable and do things to get people to pay attention to them. They're, they're not often not kind of, uh, I mean, again, I'm sort of generalizing a bit here, but they're, they're not kind of uh, necessarily sulking in their rooms. They might, they might go out and you know, paint graffiti on a building they're not supposed to, or they might, you know, do something even more dramatic. I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, kind of boys and young men are in trouble, sort of alarm bells going off. So you look at things like the suicide rates, you look at things like substance abuse rates, you you know, you look at things like, um, you know, just even the diagnoses that people show up with, and it, it shows that, you know, there's much more of a slant in the male direction for the kind of serious things that happen that, that um, can, can in many cases be lethal. Um, so, for example, like motor vehicle accidents, motorcycle accidents, bicycle accidents, those are overwhelmingly male drivers. <laughs> 
and um, so it, were there fatalities, I should say. And so, so it's you know something about like that that when um, boys and men need attention, they often they're so uncomfortable looking inside that that often they just appeal. It's like a kind of cry for help or appeal to the environment. And of course, when they go about it in that way, very often the results is uh, not what they perhaps had hoped for. But if you're in car accidents, if you're a murder victim, and and you you report uh, some statistics that were shared in an, an article in the Economist, seventy nine percent of murder victims are male, sixty six percent of suicides worldwide right. are male. So it really sounds like our our young boys and our men are in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use the in, the in in this book. I use the metaphor of a house, and I I I try and use that. So it's a little corny in a way, I know, but I, I think there is something useful to it. And and the idea of like that that our you can think of what what goes on inside us and kind of our minds is like a house. And so you know there are different parts to the house, including you know something that's usually down below, which we could think of as the unconscious, and then the you know the main door the front door you walk in well i use that house metaphor because um a lot of guys will talk about like that they don't want anyone in their house uh-huh. and 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 so so you could have it on to the extreme of that the house is sealed up almost like a mausoleum and and that's really a, a maladaptive way to think about like how and I'm 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 not trying to use maladaptive I should say in a critical or judgmental way but but you just think about the cost of that of closing off access to your what goes on inside you like that that's going to have all kinds of effects on your ability to learn to relate to people um, to be in intimate relationships. And, of course, then, you know, there are other kinds of houses, too, where maybe it just needs to be remodeled, or maybe there's a house where the person feels like they've lost the keys so they can't open certain certain rooms. Um, so I really like the, the house metaphor because yes. I think it, it says something, again, about, like, access and about exploration and about you know, a construct, a spatial construct of what we carry around inside us. Dr. Tominski, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we will continue. Folks, my name is Pamela Brewer, and I'm speaking with Dr. Robert Tominski, who is the author of Male Alienation at the Crossroads of Identity, Culture, and Cyberspace. We'll be right back. Dr. Tominski, you refer to the Internet as a dark blob. What's that about, and how does that relate to your concern about boys and men? Yeah, um, so so that actually kind of comes from a patient of mine who had a, a dream. Uh, this was a, a man that I saw for several years, and so he was, he was a bit, uh, I, I, you know, in the book I say he's in his 30s, and um, so he wasn't a, a boy or a, a particularly young man, but but he had an issue with internet pornography, and um, and so um, 
so it was just interesting hearing hearing this dream about you know for him and the dream like he felt like a dark blob was coming and attacking his house so so it does nicely pick up on what we were just talking about with the house metaphor and you know when i asked him to elaborate a little bit more he did kind of make the connection that he thought it had something to do with his addiction to to the the internet and pornography on the internet and and you can think about like you know, a screen, um, I mean, nowadays, I guess you can keep them active all the time, but, but when, they're, when they're blank, right, when we turn them off, it's just this black surface. And, and so I, I think there's something about, you know, the way we interact with this, these on our devices with these screens that um, we can easily get fooled, I think, into giving it a life and a kind of liveliness that um, that I would say, by and large, it doesn't have. And and so I, I think that happens much more through, you know, real-time connections that people form with one another. So in, you know, my patient's idea of the, the dark blob, I think I think you could, could just see, like, you know, um, that that it's a way to lose yourself, and then how do you how do you get back out of that? Um, so so I, I kind of use that I think as a as a again like a metaphor to talk about some of the risks of the internet, um, you know, and you you can see this with video gaming that I've also treated you know usually adolescent boys, but um, uh, who, who have like a video game addiction. And, and would would be online, you know, playing their games, <clears throat> excuse me, upwards of 40 hours a week. Oh, my. And you can imagine what that does to being able to stay awake at school, um, to, you know, how they interact with their family. And, and so y- you can sort of see, like, like there is something, I mean, a blob is kind of unformed, right? And there is something about about these screens that, that invites us in, but if we're not conscious and aware and kind of always attentive to what we want from it, it, it can become a bit formless and, and, really, and really suck us in in ways that, that uh, you know, are, are very risky. I mean, I think, you, you know, there's a lot of talk about this now with the way it affected the election and um, things of that sort, but um, that's maybe maybe going a bit afield. But, um, well, l- let me ask you this. Um, y- you indicated that you'd been in practice for a number of years. Is there something that is going on today that is particularly different in terms of the alienation of of boys and men or is it just sort of more of life as usual and we're just paying attention to it now in a different way yeah that that's a that's a really great question because the the you know in in, the, in my book a lot of the examples are 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 clinical i mean there are a few that i take from popular media because i i you know i yeah um, but uh, so, so those some of those cases go back, you know, 20 plus years. But what I think is a little bit different in the, I would say, since 2007, um, 2008, is that that that's about the period where social media really exploded. And and so so there there is a little bit, you know, like a kind of. Um, 
like <clears throat> I had some parents tell me this week um, that kids don't text anymore, that they use Snapchat and, and Instagram as a way to communicate. And so you could see like just something evolving, like, you know, it used to be that we would email and then it got to texting. And now it's, it's that we use these social media sites to send one another um, messages. But then, of course, there's all the all the things that happen on social media that, you know, can can be a little bit treacherous. I mean, I, I, I think there's an example that I talk about with a, um, uh, a guy who, um, you know, his girlfriend stole his uh, access, his password and his uh, username for Facebook and then posted all these kind of really lewd messages about his supposed thoughts about other, she wanted revenge on him for supposedly being unfaithful. And she posted all these messages under his name and under his account. And so a lot of people at his school saw this. And um, he didn't kind of catch on for several days. And by the time he had caught on, it was a little too late. So he started to be shunned and people started to like, um, you know, retaliate online. And he, he didn't quite, when he figured out what had happened, he was like, he just kind of couldn't believe it. And, and so, again, like, it feels a little bit like, like we're in new territory with a lot of this stuff. Are there behaviors that friends uh, or teachers or parents should be at least mindful of as as we're looking at the the boys and young men around us today is there are there any sort of telltale signs i guess yeah. is what i'm asking that yeah. there's a problem yeah. that I, this person needs yeah. help right isolation i, okay. I mean you, you know that that's like woo you know like the flag is waving um, I, I read a lot about, you know, several of these, uh, you know, really horrendous mass shootings that, that have happened. And, and, you know, these tend to be young men in their 20s. And um, it, it's really interesting and, and sad to read, like, that, like, a lot of times they'll interview a teacher and the teacher will say, yeah, you know, he was the odd one. He, he was always on the outside. And you think about, like, well, that was in high school. I, I, I mean, like, why didn't somebody, like, you know, again, kind of um, try to do something? And often things have been tried and attempted with these guys, but they're, they're so adept at slipping away um, and then for a period of time not going noticed. And so I, I think, you know, like, Aside from that, you know, that that's a very dramatic kind of example. But, like, if you're a parent or, a, you know, somebody in your family starts to, you know, seem a bit more withdrawn and, um, you know, there's something about, like, them not wanting to go out or when they do go out, it's alone, you know, that that's really an indicator of something's going on, something's up. So you really don't want to tell yourself that this is just a, a a phase and they'll grow out of it. You really want to pay attention to what what underscores the behavior. Yes, I think so. Uh, if, if to go back to the house metaphor, it would be as if when that's happening, 
the you know the boy or the young man is suddenly closing the windows, locking the front door, pulling down the shades. You know, it's the, the kind of no trespassing sign goes up. Um, you know that um, that there's something about that 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 really you you wouldn't think of as being just a phase. It could it could be that right. It's possible that you know it could just be a reaction to a breakup or something like that, or to you know not having achieved something that 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 the guy was hoping to get. Um, and if it's transitional, what you would hope for is to see those shades, uh, you know, come up, the windows open, the front door be on. So in other words, you know, like it's it's something about like if this starts to feel a little bit more entrenched, that that's really a warning sign, I think. Um, you you know, the one of the things that that struck me about. Um, male alienation um, as we're talking about the the book in its entirety is that while I think it's certainly a valuable resource for clinicians it's also a valuable resource for the lay person who really may not have a sense of the kinds of things that boys and young men may go through or may have the myths in your head I, I, I take particular note of uh, the reference uh, you made to Anthony, uh, the 21-year-old who had been cutting himself since the age of 12. And even with that, you know, when we typically think about children who cut or adults who cut, we think about women, we think about girls. But all throughout uh, the book, you give us examples of things that happen right. to boys <coughs> and men that we may not necessarily be aware of or even attached to them. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah. 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 I. I think again, it's. It's like that ability to isolate and fly under the radar, that. That is really uh, potentially concerning. And you know, like like that. That also is one of the things with these screens is that you can fritter away hours on these devices, and it's easy enough for a parent or a friend or, you know, somebody in the, in the close proximity to the person doing that to think, ah, oh, they're just, you know, playing video games, or ah, oh, they're just spending a lot of time online <clears throat> without necessarily connecting the dots. And, and so, um, you know, like, like I think one of the things about the isolation that, that I try and talk about is like what gets generated in the isolation. And so like with that case you mentioned, Anthony, in the book, like he really started to construct a very, very troublesome image of himself. I, he, he thought of himself as being like a gargoyle. And so he had this, this kind of monstrous construct that that he really was elaborating on while he was spending all this time alone. And so it's not as if the isolation is just, you know, again, harmless, because something is happening. And, and, and the question is, what? And so, so you, you know, you think about, like, if you start to think about yourself as a monster, well, what does that mean? Like, are you, are you kind of attributing monstrous powers to yourself too do you want to do something monstrous monstrous do you want to inflict the pain that a monster could inflict and and so um so those are all again like things that happen 
as the isolation is occurring. And the other piece I, I would add quickly to that is you, you think about the emotions that get kindled in that isolation. And that's, I try and talk about these different emotions. And, you know, there's mania that's a, a very risky one, um, you know, kind of inflated sense of self. There's rage. Um, and often the rage is a reaction to earlier experiences of shame. Um, there's contempt. There's greed and there's despair. And when, when those things are going on over a longer period of time, any of us could be at risk. Absolutely. Dr. Tominski, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I've got one more question for you uh, as we begin to close out our conversation today. So, folks, don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Mind Talk. Dr. Tominski, what is your sense of the challenges, the difference in the challenges, if any, when the young boy or or the man is perceived as different, whether it's his... Uh, whether it's his race, whether it's his immigration status, whether uh, he's seen as gay or not gay, are any of those boys and men at more risk, do you think, nowadays or no? Yes, I, I, I think I think it has a lot to do with their immediate community, and okay. <clears throat> that would include their immediate family, but um, the, the risk would be marginalization. And the other thing that I, I would say, so, so like that's a social process, right, where a person is somehow like excluded. And, and, and these all we know happen in incredibly subtle ways so that, that it's not, you know, just not that you're not getting invited to something. It's that, you, you know, maybe people don't look at you quite the same or maybe it's that, you know, you start to notice that, that you're kind of at the end of the line and, and, and how things happen. And so, so those things start to build up. That's, that's the more subtle piece of, of marginalization. Um, uh, so I, I think, you know, that's, that's definitely a piece of it. The, the other thing I, I would say quickly about what, what you're asking is, you know, for a lot of guys, like, like difference can, especially when they're trying to look inside and figure it out, difference can sometimes be associated with the feminine. And, and that can create almost a terror in, in um, a lot of boys and young men. And, and so, um, you know, so for example, differences related to sexuality. Um, you, you know, that, that, that might have something to do with like, gee, is there something about me that, that's effeminate, something about me that, you know, inside is, is, is very feminine in a way that, um, you know, doesn't fit concepts of masculinity that the person may have been exposed to. Um, and so, I, I, you know, it's interesting to think about what you're asking about differences because, um, you know, I, I think it can blur in ways that we just often 
wouldn't expect, you know, like, like, you know, that, that is there some pathway in which a person might think or a guy might think, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling kind of different. And is there something about that that also has to do with how I think about my gender or how other people perceive my gender? So it, as much as we are spending time and and not enough resources on considering girls and women, we also need to do the same for boys and men. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I think that, that that's a, a kind of a chronic issue with, with sort of mental health in Indeed. this country. And, and so, you know, building prisons is not really a, a entirely socially rational <laughs> good use of, of, our, of our resources. Um, Couldn't agree with you more. Dr. Tominski, how do folks find out more about the work that you're doing uh, and, and the writing that you're doing? Yeah, so um, they can go to the publisher's website. The publisher is, is Routledge, um, R-O-U-T-L-E-D-G-E um, dot com, and that would just type in my name, and, and that'll show the book. And um, there's also, I did a, um, the publisher actually asked me to do a YouTube video. <laughs> um, to I guess this is, again, the, for me, this was entirely new, but I think this is the new horizon here. Um, so after a, a first failed attempt, because it was way too long, I did a shorter video. I and saw I it. If they just, uh, oh, good. Okay. So, so you can critique it, but maybe not write this stuff. Okay. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there are, there are ways to get more information about Dr. Robert Tominski. That's T-Y-M-I-N-S-K-I. And the he's written other material, but certainly today we're focusing on male alienation at the crossroads of identity, culture, and cyberspace. Thank you so much, Dr. Tominski. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I, I really appreciate it. Well, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service, and it is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. You can listen to Mind Talk on demand by going to mind talk m-y-n-d-t-a-l-k dot o-r-g you should also check out the various social platforms that you listen to because it's probably there as well and i'd love to hear from you any questions or comments you may have about today's program or any of the programs the email address is pamela p-a-m-e-l-a at mindtalk.org m-y-n-d-t-a-l-k dot o-r-g and folks Remember always, if it's unacceptable, then it's unacceptable. You take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.